Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Hi, Dustin. Hi, Tim. And hi, folks. Welcome to Zompocalypse Now. Yes, uh, welcome to all you fans of things. Fans of things and stuff? Yes, things and such. <laughs> uh, well, as we've already established, I'm Tim, and that's Dustin, and this is Zompocalypse Now. The weekly, well, we try and do it weekly. We've had... Mm-hmm. We don't have any corporate sponsorship, so we can do this whenever we want, and nobody can be mad at us. Even the four people who listen cannot be mad at us. Well, they can. It's just not going to solve anything. Right. But we encourage you not to give in to the baser emotions. Um, <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> I, think, I think we've established that my whole shtick is give in to your baser emotions. <laughs> Well, there's a little bit of that, too. So, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So, a lot of what this show is about, of course, is talking about the Walking Dead universe. Uh, but that show is not yet back on the air, although it is swiftly approaching. Two more weeks, right? I think so, yeah. Uh, and uh, so, obviously, we'll be talking about that soon. But in the meantime, this is that funny little period where sometimes we have done... Uh, we've watched other shows. Right. We did. Uh, there was the Teen Wolf period where we, yeah. you know, uh, where where despite your best efforts, I I still can't say it's my favorite show. Uh, uh, it was mine for a real long time. Yeah, I mean it was fun. Um, and we've watched shows like uh, you know various other zombie stuff. Uh, and and we've done movie stuff and things like that. Um, but this week uh, we really didn't make much of a plan, no. so you get to listen to us ramble. Hooray! <laughs> Rambling can be fun, even more so than usual. Yeah, and usually we were we would, like we would you know we would plan better for our hiatus uh, periods, but for some reason I feel like I feel like that the the time between the last episode of Walking Dead and this sees this upcoming thing is a is longer. It certainly than feels it longer. Normally, be uh, well. January was seven and a half weeks long. <laughs> so you know it, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it usually feels like we have another zombie show. It feels like Fear the Walking Dead drops in between the two parts of the but Walking Dead. That's in the Dead. summer. Fear the Walking Dead is our yeah. summer show, and so usually I think we usually will have picked something like we would have watched Witcher together and done that over this period but we didn't do that this year we did not um but we have actually uh, just like last week uh, we do watch things and listen to things on our own uh Mm -hmm. and get a chance to share them with each other i am currently listening to the new uh doctor who audiobook Uh, which is the one by Sophie Aldred, who played Ace in the uh, Seventh Doctor years of the the original series. And uh, so far, it's pretty good. Uh, And she's narrating it. Um, And she does a great job as a narrator. And uh, she also, if I remember correctly, um, 
the DVDs, I don't know if the, if they're on the, the American version DVDs or if it's just the European version, but uh, essentially there's a mini, a mini sodes starring her uh, on, on the most recent, the 13th doctor season one, DVDs. Uh, I think there is, and there was there was also a really cool little trailer, which actually is a trailer for uh, this that, book. Yeah, uh, that that was up there, which was which was really cool. Um, I, I'm enjoying it so far. I uh, I've always enjoyed Ace as a character, um, and uh, really enjoyed her in the spinoff media when they when they when the Virgin uh, Books was publishing the New Adventures. Uh, she was a big part of that. The Seventh Doctor was a big part of their run, mm-hmm. uh, and so she appeared quite a bit, and it was always a lot of fun. So I'm enjoying this novel a lot. I'm glad. It, I'm glad she did it. Yeah. Um, and I just finished listening to, and I think we've talked about him before. Um, uh, Peter Kleins, who's written a book called uh, Fourteen, The Fold, um, Dead Moon, and now one called Threshold, and I'm sorry, Terminus, and um, the it's basically what if what if the lovecraftian beasties were based on something real mm. uh and nicholas tesla was part of the team that devised the defense against these uh evil beasties um and unfortunately no one knows how the defense thing works anymore uh, and the poor, the poor ordinary people who stumble into this and have to save the world without any real skill set, uh, aside from just being not s- terribly, terribly stupid. Uh, you know, they're they're moderately intelligent people, um, and they're they're a fun series of books. Um, and uh, the latest one just came out. Um, I did a review for Dead Moon over on Sci Fi for Me. Uh, uh, and it was different enough than the rest of the books in the series. A lot of people didn't like it, mm. but I enjoyed it because it was zombies on the moon. What was this guy's name? Peter Kleins. Peter Kleins, a. Eh? And um, fourteen is probably my favorite of the books, uh, but there I've, I've enjoyed all of them. But yeah, uh, uh, Dead Moon is zombies on the moon. For those of you who, who want to listen to an audiobook. Uh, where the dead come back to life and you can't escape because there's no air outside and the dead mm. don't care because they're not breathing. Um, and uh, well, it's not a, he's not on Libby, so no. <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, no. Some of his stuff is actually coming out as Audible exclusives. He's got a contract. Uh, yeah. Um, the the well, sec- the first the first two are out out in the world outside of of Audible though. Mm-hmm. Well, as I as we have discussed before, I don't use Audible. I use the right. Libby app, mm-hmm. which is a free app through you can get through your local library. Right. And if Libby wanted to give us some money for talking about it all the time, which I would do, uh, I get almost every audiobook that I read from Libby. You can connect as many uh, as many library cards as you want, mm-hmm. as long as the library card or the library is connected to Libby. You can do as many as you want. And I have two. And so if I don't find a book on one of them, I just flip over to the other library and look, there you go. Uh, it's really great. And you get the book for 30 days 
And if you haven't listened to it in 30 days, you can always get it back again and it'll be in the right exact spot you left it. In what is fact, all I just finished uh, a, a series that I had been listening to uh, for a long time, for about a year, uh, called The Book of Riley, which mm-hmm. is by Mark Tufo, who writes a bunch of zombie novels. And this one is what if when zombies happened, uh, the only person who, in, who, was, who was around you that was in any way worth a damn at protecting was actually a bulldog. Oh. And so the mo- the majority, there's four parts. They're each about three hours long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, uh, they're for the majority of the books told from the, per- the perspective of Riley, who is a bulldog, as she tries to protect the surviving members of her human family and uh, her, the other animal companions that she's mm-hmm. with, a dog and a cat and a Yorkie. Uh, and they're uh, slightly frustrating uh, because they're written from the point of view of a dog. Sure, And right. so there are some things that a dog doesn't know what they are. Oh, like, sure, gotcha. Right. Uh, you know... Uh, they never. And another thing is slightly frustrating about it is that the main character Riley is a female dog, right? And then Patches, the cat, is a female cat, and right. then the girl that survives. The it's a family. The family is a, is a girl named Jess and a baby. Mm-hmm. And so the it's a girl is the main family member who lives, and because it's a baby, he's just a baby. Uh, and the audiobooks are read by a man. Oh, and okay, sure. That just, it really takes you out. I personally, like, if you're going to have an audiobook where the narrator is female, you need to have a female person read it. But that's just me uh, being crazy. But of course, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I think there are times when I would agree with that, and other times I wouldn't. Uh, the The... Klein's books, for example, are read by Ray Porter, who's a very well-known audiobook reader. Uh, he was going to be the voice of Darkseid uh, in uh, if Zack Snyder had had his way with the Justice League movies. Uh, but uh, fantastic, fantastic voice. And Dead Moon, for example, uh, the primary viewpoint character, but not the only viewpoint character, the primary viewpoint character is female. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that because Kleins has become the uh, he and Porter have you know Porter has become the voice of Peter Klein's books. Right. Well, uh, I mean, I think that's a different that's a different situation too. But because that's you know Stephen King does that. Only one person reads Stephen King's books. Right. Uh, and I I think that's acceptable. And honestly, this reader did not do a bad job. Yeah, uh, I could look him up, but I don't care. Uh, and <laughs> well, there you I, go. Uh, but it was just—it's just—it's ir- irritating to me that the the point of view character, the and this is a first person for the most part. There are parts that are written in third person, but for the most part, this book is written in third person or in first person. So it's Riley saying, "I did this and I did that." Uh, okay, sure, right? Is a, is 
and then not only that, but then Jess is another very important character, the only human with any kind of, and then the cat, the cat, all the animals talk. And then the cat is another main character, and that's female too. So the three, three of the four main characters are female. Why not just have a woman read it? Sure, that makes sense. So anyway, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's just it's just you know I think that would made a bet for better storytelling. But the, the really irritating part about it, like I said, is it's the narrator is a dog. And so she doesn't know that windows are called windows. So she calls them outside viewers. Or that people have hands, so she calls them front paws. Unless, unless Mark Tufo has forgotten Mm. that... (laughs) <laughs> Riley doesn't know windows are called windows or that hands are called hands. Sure. Then writes it. And sometimes Mark Tufo's editor didn't do their job because in the first part of the sentence, the sentence is Riley just put her front paws on the steering wheel and then gripped it with her hands. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's like, Oh, do you know what hands are? Do you not know what hands are? One of the, and then one of the main jokes, one of the first jokes of the book series is that Riley can count, but she can only count to seven. Okay. And so sometimes she, Mark will remember that about the character he's writing. Right. And say there were a lot more than seven Sometimes he gives the number, there were 50 zombies coming towards us. Or sometimes he does, it was seven, three times. And you're just like, Mark, follow the, follow the logic of your own <laughs> written universe, right. Mark. You know, come on. Like, it's and so those sort of things were very annoying to me in the book. Uh, but that being said, like I said, there are four parts. They're all about two and a half hours to three hours long, and I've listened to all. Of that. There you go. See, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I've, sometimes quality control uh, of the finished product is not always the greatest. If you listen to a lot of audiobooks like I do, you will run into this periodically where you'll have someone repeat the line. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly a different take. It's right. not the character repeating the thing going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Or something like that. It's, and then he walked up to the ledge. And, and then, then he <laughs> walked up to the ledge. <laughs> right. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> And so I come across that a fair amount. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some occasionally some interesting uh, trip ups. I've caught a few um, narrators and narration is a hard job, folks. Let's be very, very clear. It is not easy to do. And if you are someone who's really, really good at doing multiple voices, a lot of these folks aren't doing like, they're not recording all the, all this character's voice on, on a separate track. They're switching those voices as they yeah. record. Uh, which is really, really hard, and and 
you know, keeping those voices sounding the same when you're bopping through a bunch of different characters is, is an art form. And these folks are doing hard work. Oh, but every yes. now and again, you will catch them going, you know, calling someone by the wrong name and it slipped by or, you know, saying he or she when they meant, you know, uh, she or he, you know, they, they just slip they just verbal slips when you're focusing on all this stuff. Uh, and, you know, after a while, you just kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. That's fine. That's fine. Right. Whatever. Whatever. Um, but, you know, and like I said, this, the, the, whoever it was who, who reads Book of Riley is, is a, does a wonderful job. And, mm. and I like his voice a lot. And uh, the only gripe I have about him as a narrator is the, you know, the main character's female, the, you know, this point of view character of the first person narrative is female. <laughs> yeah. Why do that? But anyway, um, but like I said, I, I listened to all four episodes of the book of Riley and mm-hmm. I liked all of them enough to mention them. Uh, sure. If you don't every once in a, if you don't mind every once in a while, while you're listening to it, just yelling out loud, fuck you, Mark. When, when it gets to the point of, you know, like your little dog tweeisms are, you know, really getting to me, Mark. <laughs> yes, you, I know you think it's cute that you're writing from the point of view of a dog, but come on. <laughs> One of the things that, that and, and I wasn't going to talk about a lot about Peter Klein's uh, tonight, but sure, why not? Um, he also has a series that he wrote called X Heroes, mm-hmm. uh, which has uh, a male and a female narrator most of the time. Uh, and the female narrator will do a lot of the female point of view characters, uh, but not they'll they'll switch back and forth. Um, and and it's basically what if superheroes, you know, super superheroes and zombies. Um, so the zombie apocalypse happens and here's the cat walking all over any strange noises you hear folks or blame it on the, on the cute little kitten. Um, it's all her fault. Huh? Yep. You're very cute. Um, and, uh, you know, the, what happens when the superheroes are, you know, they just can't save the world. Um, so it gets it, and, and it was fairly entertaining. Although it's a series that never actually came to an end, um, you know the the apocalypse still rages on and the heroes still fight. But uh, there's no there's no uh, he's pretty much abandoned the series. So it was uh, well. I mean, he, it's one of his earlier things. So, um, but it's a lot of fun too. If you get a chance to check that out, the X Heroes E X um, was. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun superhero zombie stuff. Jay Snyder was the narrator for a lot of it, and Christine Hyam, or I think it's Hyam, or oh no, I, I take that back. It's H V A M. Vam uh, is the narrator for is the female narrator on, narrator on that series, and she actually does a really good job as well. They're both quite talented people, but uh, yeah, it's, it's tough work. It's tough work to be a, a narrator. If you've ever done voiceover work uh, in general, you know, it can be kind of difficult. And if you ever had to do ADR for a film, that can be a real challenge as well. But you know, the really good narrators, you know, they work a lot. Uh, and, uh, and there's a reason for it because they're, they're very, yeah. very talented folks. 
I think we've talked about this book series before. Um, it was uh, sometimes I like to read really bad chiclet mm-hmm. or listen to really bad chiclet in the car. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Because, because I'm a little goofy. Why not? It was about zombies. Like the zombie apocalypse happened while this couple was in uh, <laughs> was in marriage counseling for the divorce, <sighs> and uh, and so it's like one of them is called uh, Eat Pray Zombie, and you mm. know, and I can't remember. Sure. And I tried to find it on Libby, but I couldn't. I'm not going to spend too much time. Where it's, you know, but basically, you know, the zombie apocalypse saves their marriage. And, you know, <laughs> then they kind of go along, you know. It's, it's like good for reading. something. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I like to listen to weird books in the car. If I don't, uh, even if I don't love them, mm-hmm. like, I will still continue. I will listen to a book till the end. Even if I'm like, this book is bad. Why oh, am no. I still listening to this? I th- I don't think I've had I've I've stopped reading a few books in terms of you know the physical thing in my hand mm-hmm. uh, just because I got bored with it or I thought it was really bad and, and walked away. But if I if I take the time to actually get an audiobook, um, you know the premise interests me enough that I'll listen to it to the end mm-hmm. uh, unless it's got a really awful narrator. Uh, and, and that's just one of those things where I, I'm more likely to come across a author who has recorded their own book. Uh, oh, yeah. and, uh, not everyone who is a good writer is a good narrator. And, um, that's been the case in a, in a few audiobooks that I, I still own. Uh, you know, I, the story was interestingly enough that I put up with the, with the very uneven narration, but um, that that can be a real weakness for folks who, and and you know, frankly, if you want a great narrator, you pay for it. Right. I mean, there you go. Um, the most recent book that I, I listened to that I just did not like was Zone One by Colson Whitehead. And mm-hmm. I got this book because it was, Colson Whitehead has won the Pulitzer Plot Prize for Literature. Oh, okay. I was very interested because it was a zombie novel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what does this, you know, I have to say about zombies? Well, um, he has a lot of like, you know, $5 words to use, (laughs) but, you know, nothing particularly exciting to say. And I was very disappointed because it was, it was literally all like, what's the biggest word I could use? Wow. You know, instead of I went to the hat store, you know, for, you know, for change, it was, I wandered to the haberdashery <laughs> to procure some <laughs> coinage. And it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with those authors. Yeah, sure. Uh yeah, so um, there's a place. There's a place for that kind of language. There, there certainly is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think, unless your goal is to write a parody, I yeah. don't think the zombie apocalypse is that place. Well, and there was a lot. I mean, you know, because I then I, after I finished Zone One and was like, 
come on. Like, I went and read some reviews, and some people said that it was, like, that they found it a very, you know, interesting parody of the genre and, like, you know, like the things that it had to say about, you know, about humanity. And, and I was like, I just, you know, I guess I just didn't read it right or didn't listen to it right, you know. I'm not, I guess I'm just not that smart. Yeah, oh, I don't me, think that's... a dog that can only count to seven. <laughs> I don't think that's the case, Dustin. I think it's yeah. probably not a very good book, Pulitzer Prize writer or not. Um, it's, uh, well, and you know, um, I do pretty well with stumbling across stuff. Just going through the new releases on Audible and just mm-hmm. looking, literally looking at any book that, that seems to have an interesting piece of cover art or something. Um, and I've come across a few. Uh, there's, um, oh, let me see if I can find it here. I just finished re-listening to it and it's really, really funny. Um it's a riff on the Sherlock Holmes stories, but it's not. It's The Affair of the Mysterious Letter by Alexis Hall. And Alexis Hall usually writes, well, it appears that Alexis Hall writes a lot of gay romance novels. Mm. Um, so I've, I, this is generally not a genre that appeals to me much. Um, uh, but... Uh, uh, so I haven't read any of the rest of his stuff, but the affair of the mysterious letter is what if, what if Sherlock Holmes was a drug addicted sorceress? And what if Watson was implied very strongly to be transgender yeah. uh, and uh, uh, ex soldier, et cetera, et cetera, all the things set in a world full of magic and sorcery and high technology and all sorts of weird stuff. Um, and it's really funny. Well, I have just placed a hold on Libby for that book to see if I like it. And I will listen to it after I listen to the book I'm reading now, which is um, The Kingdom of Gods by N.K. Jimson, mm-hmm. who I, uh, I love. I just love her work. What are, what are, what are all the books? What are all the, is it, it's all, is it one series or is it a bunch of different um, well, N.K. Jimson has written, uh, and it's N as in Nancy, K as in King, mm-hmm. Jimson. Uh, she uh, started off, uh, and I, I follow her on Twitter, and she's very like open about, like she started off writing fan fiction, mm-hmm. and you know, just loving like loving to write because she loved to write, and then she she's written. Um, uh, a series called the Obelisk Gate mm-hmm. uh, series, which is set in a world, a fantasy world where a certain people can control like the tectonic shifts and like create earthquakes and stuff. Right. Uh, and uh, what happens when one of those people decides to use his power to basically cr- start a, a uh, uh, extinction level event Oh, okay. He causes a uh, a volcano to explode, and uh, and it's like the first. This happens in the first chapter of the first book, so it's not necessarily spoilers. And basically, they say, um, you know, people, you know, in this world, they're kind of used to this sort of thing happening. Uh, 
because tectonics plates are always in flux in this world. And uh, basically they're like, well, they, people, all the communities have stores for years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, most communities, this is like the first chapter of the book says this. It's like, you know, most communities could survive if there were a big explosion out of a volcano for like 10 years. Most communities have 10 years worth of supplies. But this explosion okay. is going to leave the earth dark, covered in ash for a thousand years. Maybe. Maybe it'll be over in a thousand years. Like, <laughs> and so that's where the book starts. And there are mm-hmm. three of them about the, what's happening in this wor- as this world dies. Uh, and it's very, very, very good. I just loved it. And then... Um, and then I'm reading right now the Inheritance Trilogy by her. I'm on the last book of that. Uh, the first book is The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms. And then what's the second one? Uh, oh, gosh. I don't know. I can't think of it. I'm blanking. Uh, but the first one is called uh, The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms. And the third one, which I am on now, is called Kingdom of Gods. And that's about a world where you know how in the bible like god and the devil uh had a war before humanity and the devil was cast down and, mm-hmm. and god oh, yeah. has, you know like you know reigned in heaven for blah 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 well sure. and this this is what if that was the case like god and the devil got in a fight and the devil was cast down but he was then cast to earth and was uh, was enslaved by humanity. Him and all of the other little gods were enslaved by humanity and basically became the servants of the ruling class. Oh, okay. And so, you know, there's a lot, like, there are characters that are just gods that are, like, you know, hanging out. <laughs> and, like, the first book, they're all slaves, and then... You know, it's it's very very good because it's really interesting and it and it does some, it's got some really interesting theological questions that it that it asks. Like in one one point, the the first the first main character of the each one is is set in a different time period with a different main character. And in the first one, the main character asks the the god who's essentially the devil. She says she says. Like, he's talking about, like, how he and the now main god, whose name is Tempest, used to be brothers and ruled the universe for eons together and were, were, would fight and loved each other and, you know, all these, you know, complicated things for eons and millennia before people even existed. And, and then, you know, like, these things started happening that made them start, like, you know, being jealous of each other. And, and Mm. she says, she says jealousy and hate and all these things. I would have thought gods would be above that sort of thing. And is that those are like human concerns. And, and uh, the God goes, well, we did make you in our image. And I was listening to this book and all of a sudden I was like, holy shit. How, interesting like what an interesting theological thing to say in fiction yeah you know so yeah i just i and she's writing 
uh, Green Lantern Beyond or something for DC right, right yeah. Now. So I, and I didn't realize it was the same the same author. It didn't it didn't even connect. I've been reading that, and it's actually an interesting series. Yeah, uh, I have not been reading it. Uh, I, without being spoilery, uh, just to give you folks an idea, the it's basically this this lantern who is not the like the Green Lantern you normally think of when you think of Green Lantern. It's not uh, you know. Uh, Hal Jordan or, or, or Jessica Cruz or any of the current run of lanterns who are uh, you're seeing in, in, in DC right now. And um, I think there are three or four issues out so far. I actually just looked, read the most recent issue last week and it is uh, far sector is the name of this is, is, is the name of it. Uh, and uh, the artwork's really quite good, and it's really it's an interesting because it's it's a lantern who's been sent to be something like the sheriff for this world full of aliens who are in their long ago in their history, their own emotions and violence almost destroyed all of them. So they're all taking emotion suppressors, mm. and. Somebody stops, and then somebody else stops, and things get messy. Ah. Uh, but it's been very entertaining. And like I said, the artwork's, the artwork's really, really good. That is such an N.K. Jensen plot. Yeah. Like that, you know, <laughs> emotionless society all of a sudden starts having emotions again. And, yeah, and they, don't, they do not deal with it well. Yeah. It is very much a, oh, you got angry, and now they're dead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, very, uh, uh, very entertaining stuff. I keep uh, meaning to pick it up uh, because, like I said, I just love her work, and I'm such a—I've become such a fan in the last year. Um, but I am trying not to buy individual comics anymore. Sure. Yeah. I'm only going. I'm only buying. Uh, uh, trade paperbacks or hardcovers now. Right. And so uh, it's... A lot it's, of times you'll save a lot of money that way. I know. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> oh, um, speaking of, for my birthday, uh, or was it Christmas? I think it might have been Christmas. Uh, my kids gave me the first two trade paperbacks of Lock and Key. Oh, yeah. And I read that, and I just started re- watching Lock and Key, the show... Mm-hmm. I watched the first episode of that last week. Uh, I, in fact, watched it twice because I do have younger-ish children. My youngest is now eight, which is a little crazy to think about. Uh, but Yeah, that I, is crazy to think about. Oh, wow. When you, when, you, when you think of Jamila, do you think of an eight-year-old? No, I do not. Who, uh, who is basically the top scorer on her basketball team? No, you do not. I, no, I do not. But I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, uh, so do I. <laughs> but I uh, as little little side note before we, we return to Lock and Key. Uh, both Jamila and Cardell played basketball over mm-hmm. this last season. Uh, while Jamila's uh, uh, team was the you know the second first and second grade teams, they didn't keep score. You can't see my air quotes, right? Sure. Uh, the parents and the coach sure did, and they won. <laughs> Every single game that they played. Uh, and Cardell's team, 
absolutely 100% did keep score because they're the sixth grade right, little sure. league team, the little dribblers. And not only did his team win every single game they played, they went to the playoffs and they won the championship. Fantastic. So Cardell is like he his team beat everybody, and it was awesome. Make sure that you tell him that I said congratulations. I was a sports fan, Tim. It was crazy. I was jumping up and down and screaming and like, you didn't. You, know, you, you didn't yell touchdown, did you? No, I did not yell touchdown, but I did did say things like grab the thing <laughs> grab, go go that way with the thing you know sure yeah 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 it might take me a little while to to get where i can actually be like rebound like their parents like rebound and i was like i don't know what that means you'll because because of your kids you'll learn this yeah, stuff i know so, there you so go. anyway uh, I, because also because of my kids, I had to watch the first episode of Lock and Key to see if I felt like it would be appropriate for them to watch, and then I did, and so we watched it together again. So I've watched episode one twice. I have made it through episode six so far. Oh wow! And um, because they dumped all the episodes at once, so it's like you can you yeah. can binge this show easily. Binge it. Yes. It's an it's a Netflix show, and. Um, you've you've seen the comics, and folks, if you have not if you have not read the Lock and Key comics, you could, there's six volumes in the series, uh, and the artwork is gorgeous. Uh, and uh, it's Joe Hill is the author, and he is the son of Stephen King. Um, the the show Nosferatu that that premiered last year, yeah, uh, is a Joe Hill uh, is based on a Joe Hill story. Uh, he's got. Uh, um, he's doing quite well. He uh, there, mm-hmm. he just told a story recently about he had uh, he, wa- he he's a huge Doctor Who fan, mm-hmm. and so he wanted to he wanted to submit some story ideas to the show, and he happened to run into Neil Gaiman, and over like this at this place where they could just hang out for a few days, and Gaiman helped him polish his ideas and put everything together, and Hill sent this off to the Doctor Who production team. And they said, we have never had an American write the show and we're not going to start with you. Oh. He said, he said it was the most, it was, it was, it's his favorite rejection letter. Uh, that, that he's, you know, he, cause he's gotten, you know, he's a writer. You, you get the, if you're yeah. a writer, you get rejection. It doesn't matter what, you, it doesn't matter, you know, what your name is or who your dad is or anything else. You will, you will get a rejection letter if you are a writer. And it's, he said it's his it's favorite one. He thinks the story is really funny. Um, but anyway, so Lock and Key was the exposure to a lot of people that that Joe Hill even was a person. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a this was a breakthrough comic series. I believe it was IDW uh, published it uh, way back when, um, and it's it's just, it's a really fantastic series. I am not sold on the TV show yet. Mm. The um, and I think. Second episode, you might see some of the things that are bothering me about the TV show. Because second episode where I was kind of like, wait, what? Um, and, and you know, there's, there's an adaptation thing that happens when you right. take a, a book or a movie or a comic book and change it into something else. 
a new format, things change, right? And there's just right. no way they around. They have to. It's yeah. in, intrinsic that, that those things happen. And we talk about this all the time with Fear or with Walking Dead because it mm-hmm. started off as a comic book as well. Right. You can't, you, you have to accept that different kinds of media are going to be different. Like a TV right. show cannot be a comic book, cannot be a movie, cannot be a novel. If you are, you know, you have there are different expectations and different things that uh, you can and can't do with each of those media. Right. Um, and, and you, you have to let yourself absorb that idea. If you love something in one medium and it gets turned into another medium and mm-hmm. it can be as simple as, um, okay, when, when they get it right. All right. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption is one of the finest Stephen King movies, Right. Um, it's better in a lot of people's opinion than the novella it's based on. Uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. And I, would be, I would actually probably be one of those people. So would I. Uh, but it is different enough from the novella that if you see the movie first and you go back and you reread the novella, you're, you might be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And, and, or if you happen to be, say, a big fan of like the Frank Herbert Dune series and you've gotten a David Lynch movie and two sci-fi miniseries and a new movie in de- about to come out and you're sitting here going, could they get it right this time? Because it's a tough book. Dune is a really tough book to adapt. Um, and it's been, you know, the, the David Lynch movie great box office bomb. It's got a, it certainly has its fans. I'm, I'm sort of, I have a fondness for it, even though it's not a good adaptation. Uh, it's got a great cast. Um, and then the sci-fi channel ran two did two mini series based on the first and what well, the first three books in, in, in the Dune series. But you know, if you're, if you're going to go watch one of these things and think you're going to get a faithful adaptation of the book, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. <laughs> I mean, you've made a mistake. Please don't do that. And even if you're a Marvel movie fan, one of the things that that you have to to take into account, and you need to take this into account about any comic book adaptation, Marvel, DC, whatever, is that the stuff on the page and what's on the in the movies are usually very, very different. The core ideas are the same. Mm -hmm. Batman always loses his parents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Superman is always, you know, strange visitor from another planet. Captain America is always, you know. Um, America's ass. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, but, but how they tell those stories on the screen can be very, very different from how they're telling those stories in the comic. Um, and one of the things that some people are complaining about now, considering that comic books are struggling in some, in, uh, pretty badly right now for, for actual sales, um, is that a lot of these comic book companies are leaning more into the movie versions or the TV versions of their properties mm-hmm. and not necessarily making sure that the print version of their properties continue to be successful. And, you know, that just may be the way of things. I mean, everything, well, changes. it all, it all changes. And, and, and it's, you know, the comic books that you and I read when we were kids are not the comic books we're reading now. No. 
but you also, I think that the, you, you have to remember like, oh, comics are in trouble. It has been something people have been saying since the 50s. Right, but the, the, it's, well, the thing is that comic books have pretty much been in trouble since the 50s. It's, mm. which, it's which trouble have they been in? Right. In the 90s, in the 1990s, it was everything is grim, dark, and shoulder pads are gigantic. And everything must have spikes. Um, and we, oh. all, we all have 80s bouffant hairdo, even though it's 90s. Um, it, was a, it was a dark time in comic books. Um, have I told you that I am watching Van Helsing now? I think you mentioned it. I have, I still haven't watched any of it. Oh, Tim. It is it's based on a 90s comic called Helsing. Mm-hmm. And it is even though it is a modern like it is being like I think the last season came out last year. It's, you know, it's four se- it's been three seasons and you know the fourth is I think coming. Uh it is so 90s. Like the main the main character is Vanessa Van Helsing, of course, sure, and and she's a badass woman who's mm. not gonna take your guff, and like she just is, you know, like shoot first, ask questions later, you know, and it's like I'm watching and I'm like, you are such a '90s bad girl, G R R L, like it's just not like it's there's it's I can't even handle it how much you're you know <laughs> have you seen have you seen winona earp no in fact in i fact, love winona earp winona earp is also on on netflix yeah. and i thought i was starting winona earp when i started Ben helsing <laughs> and it took me a while of like i watched like a first three or four episodes done like this is not the show that i have been promised and then i realized that i had made a mistake and now i'm just in it you're right you're right in it. yeah winona earp is coming back for a fourth season um idw idw's uh financial troubles uh they're a company that's in real serious uh, uh danger right now they weren't sure that the show was going to get a fourth season and so, the Sci-Fi Channel, who is notorious for canceling their own shows, um, ponied up the money to make sure season four got made. Uh, and so at least we're going to get another season of Winona Earp. And it's going to really suck if it ends up getting canceled after season four. Because I love that show so much. <laughs> it is so much fun. It's such a great cast. Uh, and it's just really funny. And really, and then there's, and there's times when it's just really heartbreaking. Uh, but most of the time, it's just, you know, what else are you going to get when, you know, the the gun, the gun toting, the magic gun toting uh, descendant of Wyatt Earp teamed up with an undying Doc Holliday to fight demons and and awful critters uh, that are attacking this, this, uh, this area of the U.S. called the Triangle. Um, is just, I mean, it's ludicrous and silly and just great. I love that show so much. Um, but, uh, Oh yeah. I've, I've, I've developed a great fondness for this Van Helsing show and it's just so stupid because it's (laughs) like, you know, 
vampires. Uh, Big Ben uh, erupts. Oh, sure. Okay. What happens? Big Ben erupts. And so in the ensuing uh, dust cloud covering the earth, uh, vampires realize, oh, we don't have to stay indoors during daytime anymore. We can go. And at first, like the, you know, and, and Vanessa, Vanessa Helsing, uh, uh, is, uh, is attacked, but then she doesn't die from the vampire bite. She goes into a coma. And mm. so she's in a coma for three years. And when she awakens, she's all of a sudden a ninja and she can fight like crazy and she heals really fast like a vampire. And she, um, and if she bites a vampire, because sometimes she goes into a blood rage and sure, bites but... vampires. If she bites a vampire, they turn back into a human. So it's Blade meets The Walking Dead. Right. And it's bonkers. <laughs> and, you know, but it's the funniest part about it is like, at first, you're led to believe that, like, nobody thought vampires were really real. And, and of course, why would you think vampires were really real? And then the vampire apocalypse happens. And so it's like three years later and the vampire apocalypse has been happening this whole time. But then slowly as you, it's like more and more people like show up like, yeah, we always do vampires were real. And it's like, what? Like, you know, it's, it's like, of course vampires were real. Were you crazy? So it's, it, and I've been just enjoying the nuttiness of it. Uh, I, I'm not going to say where, because it, it's a spoiler for a, a, a plot twist of, of a novel that's pretty dramatic. But there's a, there's a novel series that I really like where it turns out that everybody thought vampires weren't real. And the reason they did, they thought that they weren't real, was because the vampires were subtly influencing them. <laughs> to think that there was a stupid idea that vampires could be real. So the vampires are just walking around pretty much in plain sight. Um, but because no one is willing to believe in the idea that vampires could be real. Uh, and then of course, um, when they, uh, when it's no longer could be ignored, <laughs> the vampires are like, well now crap. And I have to kill everybody. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's surprisingly well done and yet really, really funny because it's like everyone, everyone in the course of the book will say at least once, don't be silly. Vampires aren't real. And then be uh, eaten by vampires. And basically they're being, uh, uh, they are all, yeah. and, you, and you notice after a while, they almost all say the same, almost exactly the same words. Uh, but uh <laughs> which is a, which is a clue, <laughs> right? Uh, my roommate in college, Jesse, um, when he was a child, he had uh, a parrot. His mother had a parrot, and mm -hmm. she taught her parrot to say not in like she worked very hard to make sure that he got the enunciation right, but she taught her parrot to say, "Don't be silly. Birds can't talk." <laughs> Of course. Yeah. Uh, speaking of vampires, um, there is a audiobook series that I've been 
and it's it's a it's a book series as well. Uh, I listen to a lot of audio. This is just how it works. Um, Rick Galtieri uh, wrote a series of books called um, "The Tome of Bill," "The Book of uh, Bill of the Dead," uh, and these are basically it's what if what if this not particularly nice, not particularly bad, just sort of this geeky guy ends up getting bitten by a vampire and now has to deal with all of vampire society and, and all the things. What was his, what was the author's name? Uh, Rick Galtieri, G U A L T I E R I. Uh, and, um, uh, this is okay. Fair, fair warning here, folks. This is juvenile humor a lot in the, in these books. Okay. There's, there is a certain amount of, you know, ha ha boobies. Uh, ha boobies. Yeah, and and initially, some of the characters come across as being pretty insensitive. Um, Bill, in particular, he's a very shallow person. And over the course of the series, and this is one of those things where if you stick with it, over the course of the series, he evolves into a better person. Mm-hmm. You may not make it past the first book if this is not your kind of humor or your kind of story. Right. Um, because he's not terribly sympathetic at first. And I mean, he's not hes not like a, you, you hate him, um, or at least I didn't. But I was like, this guy's kind of a jerk. Am I, am I supposed to be rooting for him? I mean, there's a lot of humor in here. And, and there's a part of me that enjoys, you know, dumb humor. So I stuck with it and actually found the series to be a lot of fun. Um, and also, you know, the, the character, there is actual character growth with the characters, uh, but fair warning, it's fairly juvenile humor. There's a whole lot of really bad puns. Um, there's a whole race of characters whose names are deliberately meant to be the equivalent of body humor jokes so that the main characters have trouble saying their names out loud. I mean, it's, it's that kind of series, uh, you know, uh, but they're fun. I enjoy them. And the new book just came out. I just, this is why I just popped into my head. Um, the new book just came out and I'm like, I have, I have to order that. <laughs> Cause it, they, I, they, I'm amused by this series, but they're, they're funny. But again, you may, you know, this is a mileage may vary. You, this kind of humor if it doesn't appeal to you, it doesn't appeal to you. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, but yeah, I've, it's probably the only vampire series I'm listening to right now. I don't think there's anything else. Um, there is the other book. The other book I just got was the new James Robinson book. Um, and if you haven't read James Robinson, he's written, I'm oh, sorry, Jeremy Robinson, Jeremy Robinson. Uh, he, uh, he basically wrote a whole bunch of Kaiju uh, novels. No. So, ba- so basically uh, not actually Godzilla, but along those lines. Uh, and it turns out he's written quite a few other things. He's, he's, he writes a lot. He put out a book recently, uh, what, last year, early part of last year, called Space Force in response to a certain president talking about the Space Force. So he said, <laughs> he said, what would happen if Congress 
know, if, if Space Force was a real thing. And it's really funny. Because by the time the, the novel starts, um, Space Force is like six people. That's all that's left. And it's about to get shut down. Oh, and then aliens invade. Uh, <laughs> alien gamers. Alien, basically, uh, trolls. You know, trolls on the internet as gamers, except as aliens. It's, it is very, very funny. Uh, and just written clearly with the intent of, of being, you know, there's no depth to this novel. <laughs> okay. It's, it's intentionally written for to just, just to make you laugh. Uh, and I, I, I had a great time listening to it, but, uh, um, he's done some interesting stuff. Uh, and, uh, the one that I haven't, I just got one uh, by him that I haven't listened to yet. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but uh, did I ever tell you about Rachel Aaron? I don't know. Rachel Aaron writes, uh, it's a world where um, dragons came back, except that they most of the time appear as humans, incredibly beautiful uh, and rich and powerful humans. And they basically, course. they've kind of carved up the world into their own little... Uh, fiefdoms yeah and and um but a lot of magic has come back and so things are not stable and most of the most of the dragons in this world are ruthless borderline evil um some of them are outright evil but um it's the story of a dragon uh uh the series is called heart strikers and it's basically the one pacifist dragon He's the kid. He's you know, his mother is the head of the clan, and and she's got like a fifty kids, and he's the youngest, and he's the one that basically everyone's like, what a waste. Mm-hmm. And uh, he finds himself with the um, unenviable an unenviable position of having you know to save everything uh, because and he is all he just wants to do is just be left alone. <laughs> He just wants to listen to his music and play his video games and really wishes his mother would just get off his back and, oh, wait. Um, uh, but it's a, a nice, nice dragons finish last is the first book in the series. And there are uh, five books in the series. And then there's a spinoff series that's set in the same world, um, but it's not dealing with these characters. But I enjoyed it. There was, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of a romantic fantasy series. Uh, the main character and another character have a romance, but uh, it's also kind of an interesting, um, there's a lot of politics and, and manipulation and um, dealing with, uh, well, family. Especially when your family, you know, might want to kill you a little bit. <laughs> a little just, bit, just a little bit. Uh, so no, that that's a fun series. Rachel Aaron, A A R A A R O N. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to loop back around to um, uh, Lock and Key uh, because just because I'm you know I'm I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the series six episodes in. Um. But if they bring it back for a second season, unless the next few episodes really 
um, you know, go awry, I'm, I, yeah. would, I would want a second season because it, I think it's trying to do what the books, what the, the various volumes of the series were doing, which is you tell one part of the story over a season and just like the books did. Um, and if it ends along the lines of where the first volume ends, then that would make sense. Um, reviews have been iffy though, so I'm not sure it's going to get all the way to, you know, a second season, let alone well, the, whole, you know, the whole run. You never know. You can never do tell what's going to happen with Netflix. Sometimes like you'll think a show is doing really, really well, like uh, Daybreak. Mm-hmm the teen teen zombie show that was really funny. And I thought was really, really good. Uh, and they're not giving that a second season. Yeah. Well, uh, and they, they kind of like, they kind of like the model of getting people in to watch a new thing. Mm-hmm. And then once it's not new, they're like, okay, we're done moving on. Right. I mean, and I mean, they've made some really terrible mistakes. Like they canceled one day at a time, right? Which was amazing. And, and then it got and, picked. Up, it got picked up by who picked it up? Somebody else picked it up. Uh, I think uh, it's either Paramount or Apple. Yeah, I think because it, it it's coming back. If you happen to be a fan of One Day at a Time, it is coming back, which is great mm-hmm. because the modern version, um, I think, is is was one of the great. It is legitimately great. It's a rare example of a show being revived for modern audiences that actually is well a well considered reboot of of a of a classic TV show. Yeah. Cuz I used to watch one day at a time when I was I younger. Too. Yeah. Um god that would have been that would have been the 70s, 70s and 80s, 80s. It would have been the 80s. Yeah, it was the 80s. Um but yeah, I used to watch it. Used to watch it all the time. So I'm I'm very pleased that the the modern series has done as well as it has, and and it's, didn't stay canceled. Right. Well, you know, you know, they tried really, really hard to keep uh, Friends. Is what happened. Mm. They threw a bunch of money at Friends and only were able to keep them for one more year. Right. So and you know. Part of that was, well, we're losing one day at a time, which I honestly think, you know, this modern version of of one day at a time is better than old Friends. Friends is a show that seems every passing year to really be, it was a show that was a product of its time. It was very 90s. And beyond the old, the further away we get from that, the more the flaws of that show become very uh, even more apparent. And then, yeah, like people nowadays, kids, kids nowadays. <laughs> um, well, because it was on, it was on Netflix for so long. Right. Yeah. Uh, ki- you know, uh, millennials who never. <laughs> oh God! Who uh, just hurt me to so bad to, 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 to say it. Uh, <laughs> but the kids who 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 never watched it, who were not alive when right. it was on, and I'm gonna dry heave. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> like we're watching it, and there'd be all these like art. Like why why do we want Ross and Rachel together? Ross is horrible. <laughs> like this is was, not a healthy relationship. No. Yeah. <clears throat> 
And so it was, I thought it was really interesting to watch other people watch friends and have these reactions to right. Um, yeah, well, it, it's, I can't believe that I got through that. That really physically hurt me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I'm older than you, sir. So you know, imagine my pain. Uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's it's one of those things where that it's it's one of those shows it's just one of those shows that has not aged well and i can understand netflix's idea that they wanted to keep it to a certain degree but um and part of that is of course you know i watched it when it was on oh yeah me too on the show and and i you watched the last episode and cried when they've all put the keys to the apartment down and i don't think i actually cried oh, um, i cried but uh, I definitely, you know, it was it, it was just a show. It, you, everybody watched it. Everybody watched it. It's like like that in the first season of South Park. If you everybody every human being watched those things, mm-hmm. um, or you know, or if you were if you're old enough like me to remember when there were four channels and PBS, um, you know, everybody watched the last episode of Mash. Everybody watched the first season of V. Um, you know. North and South and, and all those. And if you were real fancy, you watched the Masterpiece Theater. That's right. If the weather was good and you got P- your PBS uh, uh, came in uh, without a whole lot of snow. Oh, you you crazy kids today and your interwebs. Oh, yeah. Me me and the kids have, have quote, unquote, cut the cord. We, I mean, my parents have cable and they sit back in their room and watch regular TV. But I can't even tell you the last time that we watched anything on regular tv i moved here in 2005 moved mm-hmm. to kansas city in 2005 and i have not had cable since i moved here um the first few years i lived here if i could if the re, if the you know if the tv could pick up a signal through the air so i would get some local news right and then i just watched stuff on my vhs player my dvd player mm-hmm and now I just watch things on my Blu-ray player and my computer. So And yeah, now you can get everything you could possibly need through the Netflix or Hulu or exactly. We are probably going to order Disney Plus. Not too long from now because I mean, you know, well they own they own everything. Everything. There was a Do you remember the uh uh they were like the anthology joke shows the uh, movies like um the boob tube and things like that. Do you remember those? Yeah. Okay. One of those, and I can't remember if it was the boob tube or not. And and these are things that were very much products of the eighties and early nineties. If you, if you guys aren't familiar with these, um, but there was one and it showed this as revolving, you know, globe of the earth just turning. And you heard this deep ominous voice going, <laughs> we own two-thirds of the planet. We are the Catholic Church. And it just, and you saw the, all suddenly like this image of the, you know, the, the logo that was like Catholic Church. And it was like this super villain kind of, you know, bit. Catholic Church is fine. Disney owns two-thirds of, you know, Disney, right. Disney own, now owns our childhood. Right. Well, I, I saw a hilarious meme on, uh, on uh, 
Facebook the other day that was a timeline. It was like, mm. you know, whenever they started, Disney started buying stuff. It started with, you know, Disney acquires ABC. Disney requires, uh, acquires a family channel and makes it ABC family. Disney acquires, uh, you know, whatever. Like slowly but surely. And then it got to present day. Disney, you know, acquires Fox and gets, you know, all of the, ex- you know, all the blah, blah, blah. Back. And then the next one is, you know, Disney Disney attempts to acquire some channel, and it's like FCC comes back with you know a monopoly claim. Disney buys <laughs> FCC, and slowly but surely, and like at the end of it, it's like you know um, twenty uh, twenty two thirty five. Uh, Disney Disney squ- quashes the the Apple rebellion on Mars. <laughs> 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 Yeah, when we were in the in the 90s we were all afraid that we were going to get taken over by the uh evil giant evil corporations that were going to be, you know, and that's this is where, you know, your your resident evils came out of that time period where, you know, evil corporations would build terrible, you know, yeah. biological weapons or or A cyberpunk, you know, you have to right. you have to learn the technology and scrap together to fight the man. The corporation's going to get you. And now it's like well, of course the corporation's going to get you. <laughs> the That's where all the good stuff is. Exactly. The corporations have all the good stuff. It, it's literally become the come to the dark side, we have candy. Yeah. And, um, and luckily, I think we've done pretty well on this particular little stretch that I don't think Disney legal can come after us for anything. Mm. Um, pretty sure that that we didn't say anything that could get us sued, because you know. I mean, uh, we did mention their properties. That's true. Dear Disney lawyers, we're <laughs> sorry. Please <laughs> do not squish us like tiny bugs. We love you. Please do not buy Libby, our <laughs> sponsor. <laughs> they buy Libby. They buy Audible. They go ha. <laughs> Your accounts have been canceled. <laughs> Oh dear! All right. Well, I think we've rambled. Uh, this this turned into the audio show. I think. In yeah. This was this was a book club. Book club. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, oh you know club. what's weird? Yeah. You know what the the, uh, the very first episode of Zompocalypse Now book club was this day, like four years ago. Well, that makes we. This is not the first time we've done this. This is true. This is true. Yeah. We we uh, uh, well, you know, they, and hey. If if people if people pick up some cool new authors to listen to or read because of this, great. Um, you know, I you've got you've made suggestions that I've picked up on, and 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 you apparently have read a few things that I've suggested. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, got We'll we'll keep doing it anyway, so we might as well record it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, we will do this again next week. We may actually come up with a better plan than just rambling. Or we may not. Oh, no, I know what our plan is. We talked about it and then you forgot. Oh, that's right. You saw you saw Birds of Prey, or as it is now called Harley Quinn, colon Birds of Prey. Right, yes. Uh and I am going to go this week and see Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. <laughs> and uh and then we are going to discuss that next week. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, it's been a while since I've done a movie review, and it's a little bit outside the horror territory, but we don't care. We're going to do it anyway. So 
that is in fact the plan. Thank you for reminding me. I had completely gotten off track there. So we will, you, we can look forward to that next week and we hope that you will join us again. And you, if you have an opinion or a book recommendation or you've heard us talk about books before and want to listen, let us know what you think because you picked up something that we've recommended. Or if you know Mark Tufo. Yeah. <laughs> and you would like to have him give me a call and explain to, to me his writing process. If there you go. If you if you could provide Dustin this piece of information, that would be great. Or if you know Mo Collins, remember we want to get Mo Collins on the show. That's true. Uh, we, I mean, yes, we could we could go for some of the bigger, you know, brighter names on on Fear the Walking Dead or even on the flagship show. But I don't want them for first. You want Mo Collins? I want first. Mo Collins first. There you go. So if you know Mo Collins, or if you're Mo Collins, Mo, <laughs> we really want you to come on the show. We do. So come on, Mo. I'm going to tweet this at you. I tweeted the last time we talked to you about you on the show at you, but I'm tweeting it at you again. There you go. So come on the show, Mo. You know you want to. I know we didn't talk about your show tonight, per se. We talked about a lot of books, but, you know... You probably like books. This impassioned plea for Mo Collins to come on Zompocalypse Now is brought to you by the sponsors <laughs> we don't have. Anyway, um, if you are Mo Collins or no more Collins or want to help us with any of the things that we clearly need help with, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, st- I'll run with that. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. We would love to hear from you guys. Feel free to get in touch with us there. A little, a little basic politeness is always appreciated. Um, we generally try to be nice to other people, but uh, yeah, you know what are you gonna do? Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you guys, and we look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. And again, thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey for Just Some Guy Productions. <laughs>